0: You know, it seems, uh, and maybe I'm just kind of old and cynical, but does it seem like the world's getting a little more angry these days? No one, I heard no one, uh, amen. That I'm old and cynical. So thank you for that. You're a very kind, kind church. Um, but we we have we have people that are mad at the government. The government's mad at the people. Employees are mad at their employers and vice versa, and people quitting their jobs and yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Case in point, let's, let's talk about, um, let's talk about um, airline travel for a second. Um, let's not, that's fair. Before 2020, this, this stat was kind of comical to me, not comical in the fact I think it's funny, it's just, it's so huge. Before 2020, the average number of investigated incidents uh, on an airline, you know, with an unruly passenger was 143. That was the average. In just 2021, there were 6,000 reports to the FAA of people that are just tired of being told what to do. It almost feels like There's something underneath it all that's brewing. There's something that is just bigger than the obvious. It's it's bigger than the talking points that media brings up. It's just it's just bigger than it's bigger than a pandemic, and it's bigger than an election, and it's bigger than your disdain for the opposite political party. It's bigger than that. What I want to talk about today is what happens and what does it look like and what do we do when bitterness has taken root. Now, I say it a lot and, and I, I sometimes I say it tongue-in-cheek today. I am not it might be sensitive for you today, and I'm not trying to do that that i don't I don't get any joy out of poking anyone It's not my agenda today. My assignment today though is is to just continue to unpack the reality that if we are going to live under the original mandate, which is the original version of Christianity by the way set forth by Jesus Christ, whom, whom we should be listening to, amen. Um, it's important that we, um, we understand how big this assignment is of going after the one. And you've heard us say this now for quite a few weeks, and I don't know how much longer you'll hear us saying it, but our desire is that it would just get down in all of us, starting with me, uh, and, and it would become our driving force it won't be add another program to the body date, and it will be, why don't we just get out and find those that need Jesus, amen, thank you, good night. Dwayne and I joke a lot about the reality that sometimes it almost seems like we do good cop, bad cop when we preach. I mean, you know, last week he was encouraging us with what we need to do, and we were all encouraged to just go pay it forward, pay the blessing, pay the gospel, you get the idea, pay it forward, and what an amazing challenge that was, and we've heard back from quite a few of you that have done that, and and the testimonies have been just amazing. Of course, then I come back and say, that's all well and good, but we have things in our life that will keep us from going after the one, and I'll draw that straw, and I'll talk about that, Because we can know what to do and then have a block inside of us, in our spirit, in our heart, even in our mind, that will keep us from doing what we know to do. Uh, Deep in, last Wednesday, I I talked about the reality that we can get so busy doing good things that we forget why we're doing good things, and now we don't have time to go get the one. Amen. You going to help me preach today, somebody? All right, all right, cool, cool, cool. And so today, I want to consider the cancer inside and outside the church walls in the church of Jesus Christ that can kill any move we try to propagate as we move with God, and that is bitterness. I want to read a statement from Psychology Today, from the magazine Psychology Today, and it, it'll be on the screen behind me. You can follow along, but I, I, want, I want you to just feel the weight of this. Somebody much smarter than me said this. All bitterness starts out as hurt. Pause. Somebody say amen. amen. I, I won't even ask you to raise your hand if you've ever been hurt. Well, that's just foolishness. If you've been in church five minutes, you've been hurt by the church. And the church owns that. Thank you. The church owns that. We, 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 we can kick our own when they're down. Amen. Amen. God, forgive us. All bitterness starts out as hurt, and your emotional pain may well relate to viewing whoever or whatever provoked this hurt as having malicious intent. Pause. Whether they did or not, when you get hurt, you think they meant it. They planned it, and they were trying to take you out. If you've you've been here long, you you know, I I can be somewhat... Sarcastic, and I'll go for the joke, man. I really will. And, and I'm trying to mature a little bit in, in my senior years. But here's the reality. <laughs> here's the reality. Um, I'm going for it most of the time. And if you had my vantage point right now, many times, Ms. Kim, and look at it, and she's like, No, you're, you need to bail on that joke. I know where you're going. But sometimes, even in that, in, in my lack of wisdom in that, many cases, it can seem like I'm being malicious when when that's not my motive. But when you've been hurt, you don't even care what the motive was. You know you've been hurt and you can view whoever and whatever provoked this hurt as having malicious intent. Continuing, anger and resentment is what we are likely to experience whenever we conclude that another has seriously abused us and left to fester That righteous or justified anger eventually becomes the corrosive ulcer that is bitterness. That's not written by a Christian. That's not written by a pastor, by a church leader. It's written by a psychologist that understands the damage and the danger of bitterness. I fully know that talking about bitterness can expose a wound in some of you because of what we're going to be required by Scripture to do. And and, and all I ask is that you would hear my heart, that I'm not making light of whatever has happened to you, whomever has hurt you. That is so not my point. That's not my purpose. It's really not. But I'm not a psychologist. I'm not even a counselor. But the reality is, I own the word of God, and I read the word of God, and I study the word of God. So all I can tell you is what it says. And so I'm not being condescending. I'm not taking lightly whatever you have been through. But I ask you to hear the Lord today as we read his word. Because you've not given me permission to expose your hurt. And I understand that. And I just thank you for the opportunity to even share a message that has to do with your hurt it's a big deal so whereas i don't know most of your hurts i don't some i do you've invited me into those and i'll try to walk with you through those best i can as well as pastor duane and all the other great men and women here at the body dayton however this is important it's important that we we understand that jesus came to give us freedom because it's already done And yet we live in bondage. And whether we can connect the dots and fully understand, this is a very, um, it's high on the list of reasons we're not actively loving on others. If you'd find Hebrews, I want you to go to chapter 12, please. While you're finding that, whether you actually have a physical copy of the word or using your device or whatever, if, if, if you're new to the body dating, please know that we'll always, unless we get a wild hair and we're just chasing a, a giant rabbit, we'll always have the verses behind us on the screen. But we do encourage you to follow along in the scripture because God can speak, man, God can speak. And if he speaks, don't listen to me. I'm hard to tune out because I, I can get loud, but do that if you would. Let's get some context of Hebrews 12. This book was written to Christ followers, written people like you, people like me, that they, their culture had turned against them. They discovered real quickly that it's not as easy to be a Christ follower as we kind of thought it was. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> it ain't as easy as we were told when we were praying that little prayer, amen. All of our problems aren't solved. All of my uh, all of my afflictions ain't healed yet. Oh they will be, praise God. But it's not as easy as we thought. They were struggling, they were angry. And frankly, they were about ready to throw in the towel. History records that they 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 were they were having it if if I could and again, I'm not making light of anything you're going through, but they had it much worse than I have it. Much worse. I meet no opposition in my walk with Jesus. And I know the the hyper-spiritual ones will say, well, then you ain't doing it right. Maybe. Maybe I'll I'll try harder next time. But the reality is, is people ain't rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting the church. And they're rejecting the church because we're bitter. And I know that's a big global statement. And if it don't apply to you, just pray for me (laughs) As I battle with it, amen. They were going to throw in a towel, and in this context, the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews 12, go to verse 14, says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Now, I could stop right there, and I'm not kidding you. Pastor Dwayne and I could do a series on that sentence. There's so much there, so much there. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short. See to it your responsibility, my responsibility. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Wow. Wait, is that what I signed up for? 100%. And that no bitter root, root, root. If you write in your Bible, underline that, highlight it, circle it. That no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile just you. Oh, wait. It doesn't say that, does it? Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy, because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it. So it's, it's your job. It's my job. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I want to talk for a few minutes about a couple of characteristics of bitterness. And then we're going to unpack how we get rid of it. It's not easy, but it's possible. I want to talk about how we can get set free from bitterness. First of all, though, what are the characteristics of bitterness? Number one, if you're taking notes, bitterness is a secret destroyer. Bitterness is is hidden. You don't walk around declaring what you're bitter about. I don't walk around proclaiming who I'm mad at. No one does. Well, some do. Let me correct myself. Some do, and boy, they're lonely. But isn't it interesting that the author of Hebrews uses the imagery of a root? Think about that. The imagery of a root to talk about bitterness deep beneath the surface where nobody can see it. Something's growing. Something's moving. Something's feeding off the things around it. That's the imagery we get, it's, and it's, it's very poetic, and it's very visual, but that's what the author is talking about, that it's underneath the surface. You can't see it. You say, well, how deep does it go? Oh, pretty deep, though. You won't know until you try to start to kill it, really, how deep it is. If you've ever tried to remove as something as simple as a shrub. Oh, how about this? I didn't even know what these things were, but my wife has a green thumb and we 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 had these things growing up in our yard called yucca plants. It's the only thing Satan created. <laughs> nah, he didn't create those. I'm sure they got a purpose. See, when I don't want something to be on the podcast, I won't say it. I'll just Mime it. Here's the reality. If I've if I've dug these yucca plants up once, and I mean like, man, I'll, I'm I'm digging them. No, I don't mean I like them. I mean I'm digging them. For you older folks, huh? I'm I'm digging them and I'm cutting them and I'm doing bloop. Have you thought about a a, a fully mature oak tree. Strong base, sturdy branches, they withstand tornadoes and are immovable. And I'm not an arborist by the farthest stretch, but I read that if you take a full-grown live oak, take all the roots, line them up, they will stretch more than a linear mile. I got a silver, Miss Kim and I have a silver maple in our yard that is I mean, it's a giant sequoia and don't even know it's a silver maple. The roots stretch across our entire property into the neighbor's property. I'm just praying I don't have to, like, replace their plumbing. Roots, roots are barely exposed. And there's never usually just one. It's what's beneath the surface that'll that'll just keep it living. It's it's what's beneath the surface of the soul, of the heart, that will keep the bitterness alive. Hebrews said it is a root, a root of bitterness. It grows, and it gets deeper, and it gets deeper, and it stretches farther, and it stretches farther. And frankly, if I could say out of love, I want to tell you that it's robbing many of the life that God desires for them. Because you can't seem to get past it. It's a hidden destroyer. It's a secret destroyer. The roots of bitterness wrap around other things. You don't really know how bad they are until you decide, you know what, I gotta break free of this. Some of us, we have bitterness towards some very, very serious things, and others of us, because the anger kind of festers and don't raise your hand, but you know somebody probably that just can't let things go. And they maybe can't let things go that aren't even a thing. You feel me? I mean, it's it's not even it's not even they did something intentional to you, and you know, they didn't smack your mom and they didn't, you know, they didn't disparage your spouse. I mean, take my thing for instance. A lot of it has to do when I'm in the vehicle. But most of the time, my anger comes out the most when I'm watching something on TV and it has to do with someone playing music and they ain't really playing it right. Now, can somebody say amen that that's just an abomination? I'm a little too transparent sometimes. I know, and I—I'm not talking about a mistake. I'm like, you're not even in the right key. For the love of Mike, they just need to repent. But it drives me crazy, and 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 I—I I will not re-watch something, or I'll stop watching a series I love. Because like he didn't play that, and it, why do I care? Because there's just some things you have passion about that you don't about other things. You're, you're right. I mean, they could be working on a car. Some of you guys like to watch, and maybe some of you ladies like to watch hunting shows or like car repair where they're building hot rods and stuff like that. Bro, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what they're doing if, if you give me a script to read along with it. But you might get frustrated. But then the reality is, some of us get riled up about insignificant things, but then there's the real serious things. There's the serious things that have affected us deeply. I'm talking about a paralyzing offense. I'm talking about something that's happened to you. And I remember when I came back, I, I had reached a place in my ministry, this has been a few years ago now several years ago maybe I don't even remember the year to be honest it's kind of a blur where I had to take a sabbatical because I was just I was pounding it way too hard I was I was hitting it too hard and I was losing a sense of me and my family and and that wasn't why I got into serving Jesus and through that sabbatical and through Miss Kim and I seeing counselor and it, it was we're fine, by the way, if you're worried about that right now. We're we're good. Uh, you're like, we wasn't worried. At, we, I, I realized some things. Just I was reminded of some things. And I remember that first Sunday back, and I was just thanking the people for being so gracious. Uh, thanking you, all of you, for being so gracious and allowing me the time to heal best I could. And I'm, I'm kind of still on that journey in many regards. But I, I remember sharing in full transparency because... It's not fair for me stand, to stand up here and just begin to tell you what you need to do and you think I got it together because I don't. Um, some, some areas I, I ain't doing too bad, but, but I remember sharing to the congregation why I, some things that attributed to why I was in that space and the bitterness that I had of, of trying to do ministry and and you, you kind of exist, you feel like, whether it's real or not, I'm not sure I know that yet, with, with, a, with a knife between your shoulder blades most of the time. And the people you counted on, they really, they weren't there. And maybe I put all my eggs in only a couple of baskets, that might be true. But then other things started to come up. I, I was sexually abused as a kid. And that's a tough subject but i need you to understand that it's part of my journey but god so i don't want you to think that i'm by no means trying to wag a finger about this bitterness you just need to get over that's not this conversation friends that's not this conversation This conversation is, I get it, but we can't stay here. Thankfully, the Bible helps us along, amen? So it's a secret destroyer, what else? Well, bitterness also poisons others. See, it's it's not just you, it's not just me. See, these are just characteristics of bitterness, and there are more, but these are the ones that I feel in talking with people that we deal with the most. I heard it said that, and and, and, I'm, and, and again, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I don't like to say I heard. I, I seen a Facebook post, so it must have been true, from a theologian that I didn't even know was still going to church. But they said... That bitterness is like drinking poison, hoping it will kill your enemy. And I'm like, I I, I get what you're trying to say. I get you're trying to say that bitterness is hurting you more than the person you're bitter against. And I agree with that. But bitterness also poisons everyone around you. And we can't pretend that it doesn't. We can't pretend like, well, this is just hurting me. Well, one, that's bad enough. But two, that's not true. Bitterness affects people around you. Roots will never stay right under the, you get the idea. They grow into the neighbor's yard, as I already said. And let's remember Hebrews 12, 15, see to it. So you have to see to it, I have to see to it. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. And I got, fill that, ver- that next verse up, Miss Lena. I want you to see this, church. That no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile. See, it's not just you, it wasn't just me, it's many. And can I tell you something? It can happen to the young adults that are in this room, the the teens. Something can happen, and you can get angry, turns to bitterness. Malice begins to grow. Or to the oldest one listening to this, that you may have carried for decades. It defiles many. And that word defile was interesting to me. Here's the definition, to stain, to pollute, to contaminate. Those aren't fun words. I don't want to stain many. I don't want to contaminate many. I don't want to pollute many. And there isn't anyone that's hearing this today, whether you're watching it the day it's recorded or somewhere down the road when God puts it in your face, nobody would Disagree that in our culture, we almost celebrate bitterness. Or we wouldn't broadcast it. We wouldn't keep posting how much better it is now that your ex is gone. Even if it is. See, that stuff stuff lives down in here. And it begins to wrap around other things. Pretty soon it's wrapped around your words. Then it's wrapped around your thoughts. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? And we're beginning to contaminate and pollute on every news channel, on every social media platform, and many pulpits, amen, around a lot of the dinner tables and blogs. My life is defined by the hurt. My life is not defined by my hurt. My life is defined by the resurrected King, Jesus Christ. Not by my hurt. I've been hurt. You've been hurt. But at some point, at some point, we've got to understand I don't exist for me. I don't exist to be validated by you. I exist to increase the kingdom of God. I don't want to invite as many people as I can to join me in my misery. But that's kind of the world we're living in, and I hate it. I mean, I hate saying it. I really do. But we got to understand that. Listen, hatred and holiness cannot coexist. I don't care what the hatred is, and you're like, I don't hate. Get over it. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, we'll, we'll take me out to lunch and we'll argue about this till the proverbial cows come home. But you need to understand. You 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 can say I just don't like it. You can say it all you want. You you don't. I don't know. You don't know. And I say this in love. And again, I'm I'm not doing this. I'm trying to. What I tell Candace, I'm having a firm conversation. I'm not yelling. Listen. You show me where you can have a visible line between I don't like and I hate. I will publicly apologize, but you know what? You can't. You can't because that's the problem with bitterness. The bitterness wraps around, and that line begins to move. And because we feel justified in our anger, we begin to feel justified in our dislike. And Then we're justified in hating but hate and holiness cannot coexist. It cannot. It can not. On top of that, when we invite people into our bitterness, we become a stumbling block. Amen? I mean, they've got a pursuit of peace. They're trying to, I hope. So why don't we help them in that journey? Amen? We've seen it happen. One bitter person can split a church. One bitter person can divide a family. And I got about 10 more here I could read, but I think you get the idea. So let me move on quickly. Bitterness is a secret destroyer. Bitterness poisons others. So what do we do about it? I, I never want to <laughs> just tell you everything that's wrong <laughs> without hopefully giving us some to-do's. We know it's dangerous. We know we've been affected by it and we know we affect others with it. So how do we kill it? Well, the first one's pretty obvious and it may sound incredibly simple, but it is actually very hard. If you're taking notes, how do we kill the root of bitterness? You got to expose the root. You really, really do. I don't mean you expose the root by telling everyone your stuff. No, but... You got to own it. I got to own it. We have to expose the root. Look at what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5. He says, Have nothing, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. Now, bitterness will not lead you to the light, so it is part of the darkness. So you have to expose it. You got to own it you got to accept it. I don't mean accept it like keep it and baby it and love it and squeeze it. No, I mean you got to, you got to bring it out to the light. We've, we've actually, we actually need to get to the place of calling out why we are chronically paralyzed by a wound. we got to call it out. Call it out in your prayer closet. Call it out in your car ride to work. Call call it out when no one's home. Call it out to the Lord. Call it out to your spouse if you can trust that environment. I hope you can. If you can't, that's another sermon. But call it out. You got to call it out. You have to expose the root of bitterness. Have you said it? You're like, I can't say it. I understand. But you got to expose it where it'll continue to grow. Maybe you should write it down. I don't know. Maybe you journal. I'm not a journaler per se. Many of us are bitter at God because of an unanswered prayer. Your loved one's still sick. Your marriage is still broken. Some of you are bitter over things, and, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's not even a, this is a big thing, this is a little thing. I'm not saying that at all, but we can get bitter that the coworker got the advancement that you didn't. It can happen. And we say it doesn't matter, but it does. Some of some of you can be bitter at your older sibling because apparently they can do no wrong. Too real? I'm afraid to look over at my family, Candace and Heather in the room. I've already alluded to it, but I mean, this is this is the world we live in. So, I, I, Pastor Dwayne and I want to answer questions people are asking. We don't want to talk about stuff nobody's thinking about. So, some of you are bitter with your ex, still to this day. I personally can't relate to that. I had one girlfriend, I married her, but listen. number of people that have sat across from Miss Kim and I to talk about the way it feels. Oh, I feel like I've lived it. Because you kind of carry people's burdens. Amen. I hope you do. I hope you help carry people's burdens. And you might be full of unforgiveness and bitterness towards the person that did you wrong. I understand they lied. They were unfaithful. Whatever it was, I'm not downplaying it. How dare they? I'll validate you. Shame on them. But what about you? What about you? Interestingly enough, many people are bitter towards the person that are dating their ex that they didn't want. I'll say it again. We got to stop living in a prison that Jesus died to set us free from. We have to. We have to if we're going to be effective in the kingdom. You can't heal from things we're not willing to admit. Amen and amen. So be honest. I, I am rooted in bitterness because of blank. Bam, there it is. It's so freeing. There, bam, there it is. Okay. Next, bam, what you'll find when you, try, when you try to expose these roots and then sever them, you realize how deep they really might be. And when you pray, God, can you expose the roots of bitterness I have, you may discover the revelation of why you're so bitter. It might surprise you. You might be farther along than you even think you are. In a, good, in a good direction as things begin to get severed. Number two, if you're taking notes, how do we kill the root of bitterness? Well, you got to cancel the debt. All right, now, this is the hard part. Can I, can I get an amen? This is the hard part. I'll talk about it. I'll tell you what it is. Can you cancel it? Well, that might, I may need another baptism. We have this picture in Scripture, we read it, where before the author tells us, make sure that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble. Before that, he says, make sure that no one misses the grace of God. Now, we're talking about canceling the debt. I know this is incredibly simple. Hopefully it's very practical for you. But it isn't until you truly admit Recognize and are under the powerful grace of God that you can cancel the debt. But it is that grace that you've experienced that allows you to cancel the date, the, 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 um, the debt of the bitterness that you exposed. It's the grace of God. It starts with the reality that I am forgiven. Let, let, let me help you. some. Whether you're a Christ follower or not, if you're, if you're not, you're going to be for you lead today, hopefully. But if you're not and you're not ready for that, we're so glad you're here. We're glad you're watching. But, but the reality is, is, you've been forgiven by someone. So you've experienced forgiveness. You've experienced grace. Oh, not, not the kind I'm talking about, about Jesus, but you've experienced it. And the way you cancel a debt is by understanding you've 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 experienced someone canceling yours. Okay? Maybe not. I should have let Tom preach this. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, easy for you to say, you ain't looking at these people right now. All right, all right. We'll dial, it, we'll dial it back. Pastor Duane, we're going, we're going I'm, I'm reverse engineering this thing. You ever been forgiven by someone? Raise your hand. 100% participation, please. All right, all right, all right, all right. Some of you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you've been forgiven by God, raise your hand. All right. All right. Some of you need new friends because God's forgiven some of you, but you don't think anybody's in the... A... Human realm has ever forgiven you. I'm sorry to hear that. That is the gateway of understanding I am now capable of canceling the debt because you have been forgiven to some degree on some level. But you gotta be willing. You gotta be willing to step into that. It starts with reality that you didn't deserve it. Uh, and, and, and before it sounds like I'm, I'm saying you a lot, I don't deserve the grace of God. But man, I get it. And he gives it abundantly. And because of that, canceling the debt, it's not easy, but it's no longer impossible. Because I'm reminded of how my debt was canceled on the cross. Amen. Again, the author of Hebrews says, make sure, see to it. It's your responsibility. You can't withhold the grace of God. Make sure no one misses the grace of God. How can I do that, Jeff? By not showing it. By not showing the grace of God because you're just mad about it. You've now withheld the grace of God to others. Jesus told a story in Matthew 18. You can turn there if you want. A servant owned an enormous debt. You know the story. A servant owned an incredible debt. He could not pay back. And he was scared to death because he had to go before the master and he had to tell him, I can't can't pay you back. I did the best I could, but I got laid off and, you know, kid got sick and I just, I can't pay it, so... I'm going to get thrown into prison. I'm going to get killed. I understand that. But this happened in Matthew 18, 27. Your Bible says the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So the, so the master said, you know what? It's all good. You're free. Just, just go on, live your life. So he went out and he saw a fellow servant owed him a fraction of what he owed the master. said he owed him a fraction of what he owed the master, who, by the way, just had forgiven his debt. And instead of reciprocating grace, instead, this happened in verse 30. He went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, some people were passing by, and they saw this play out. So they went and told the guy that forgave him the first time, the master, they went and said, you're not going to believe this. The guy you just forgave and canceled all of his debt. I mean, he went out here choking a guy out. Because he owed him a little bit. The infraction wasn't even close. Well, so the master says this in verse 32. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant he wasn't wicked because he owed he wasn't wicked because he messed it up and owed money and couldn't pay it he wasn't wicked because of that oh look at this you wicked servant he said i canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as i had on you jesus said in anger His master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then Jesus Christ, the Son of God, says this in verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, there's no way possible if you heard any of that, you don't feel the weight of that. Impossible. Unless the, your heart is so hard that you're like, Yo, whatever, I got to do this. Okay, maybe so, but I'm telling you, Jesus said, verse 35 this is how my dad in heaven, who rules everything, will treat you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. The gravity of not canceling a debt will destroy you. We're going to choose to give up on revenge. We've got to choose to give up on blame. Jeff, you don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. They deserve it. Maybe, maybe. But can I encourage you that if we're going to live our life based on the teachings of Scripture that Jesus lived, We've got to do it like Jesus did it. Oh, and this, is, this, is, uh, I, this was said to me this week. Well, but Jeff, Jesus turned over them tables. That's the only go-to people have. And, and I've, I've talked about it before. He was turning over systems. He wasn't turning over tables because he had an anger management issue. He was turning over the systems that were hurting people. Amen. All the other 1,277 days, I did the math. That Jesus walked on earth, he didn't have a justified anger issue. He didn't have a righteous anger issue. The church created that. Church created that. If I'm not mistaken, and, and, and listen, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't ever want to misteach the, the Scripture. I've, I've done that before, and I, I regret that. But Jesus was the one befriending the foreigners. Yes? Jesus was the one who embraced people of other race. Yes? Was he the one touching and healing the unclean? He wasn't the guy that just went around randomly flipping tables. He had nothing to prove. He wasn't flexing on anybody. Rather, he was the one that was forgiving the sinners. (laughs) Like me. So how can I not cancel someone's debt? If I could, who do I think I am? How righteous do I think I am that I can't forgive and cancel the debt of someone that has hurt me? Am I better than Jesus? I don't even, that's rhetorical. We've got to cancel the debt because God canceled ours. Amen. I know for some of you, this is excruciating because it's so challenging. I, I understand that, and I, I want you to know I do. But everything about the life of Jesus Christ and the teaching of God's word is always counterintuitive to what we would normally do. It's counterculture, it's It's never counterproductive, but it's always counterintuitive to what our first response would be, are we not led by him? Amen. And the way it plays out is, it's actually pretty cool because at first you you probably have to cancel that debt 20,000 times a day. But can we be honest up in here? But then you'll only be canceling it 15,000 times a day. And then 10, until eventually you're walking in that freedom because you exposed the root of bitterness and you canceled the debt. It's not easy. It might take some time, but you'll wake up one day and the wound was a fact, but it's no longer an emotion. The wound is a fact but it's no longer an emotion. That's what healing does. That's what healing does. Jesus said in John chapter 6, but to you who are listening, that'd be you, that'd be me, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. You know, there's some things in the Bible that are hard. Can we just say that? It's just hard. It's just hard. I get it, Jesus. I get it. You have to say that. No, man, it's the only way. It's the only way. That word blessed means to speak well of. We get our word eulogy from it in the Greek. We get that from that. It's, it's to stand up and to speak well of someone. Oh, who, 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 to whom are we to speak well of, Jeff? Glad you asked. Those who curse you. Anybody got this down to a science yet? me neither so do we have some work we need to do i said do we have some work we need to do then let's read that together again but to you who are listening i say love your enemies do good you and that's we're like god jesus i love you enemy that's easy to say oh but then he goes i need to put some feet to this because you'll say whatever i want to hear Jesus says, "So love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. <laughs> if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them." No, I'm getting my coat back. I mean, that's my in, my intuitive response is, "Oh no, you didn't take my coat. You must need a coat." Church, we ain't there yet. Someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Breathe in, breathe out. Oh, and then there's this do to others as you would have them do to you. Oh, wait, that's right. We were forgiven. That's right. Jesus isn't bad-mouthing us to the Father in heaven. You know who is? The accuser. I don't want to be that. I want to be the forgiver. And I know you do too. The reason we struggle and allow a root of bitterness to grow in our lives is because we like to compare sin. I mean, I mean, it's 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 again, it's our intuitive response. We compare sin. Well, I ain't doing that. Right? Am I right? That's fair. That's a little bit of fair. If it don't apply to you, again, pray for the person you. The word sin, it's an archery term. It means to miss the bullseye. Now, here's here's what we do. We have to understand what's the bullseye. Well, God's holiness is the bullseye. His righteousness is the bullseye. Well, I only missed missed it by a millimeter. He missed it by a mile. On earth, that's measurable. But Jesus Christ died for the millimeter, and he died for the mile. And when I elevate myself to judge position and say I can compare what I'm doing and what I'm thinking and what I'm saying and what I'm withholding from you or that group of people, because of how I feel about it. I've not yet crucified myself and been resurrected in Christ because I'm still on my own throne and I'm not the king of my life. Don't want to be the king of my life. Oh God, I don't want to be the king of my life. When you and I realize what we've been given we just can't withhold it. And here's another interesting aspect, and, and and I'm 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 closing. This is a vulnerable part of this, and, and I and I'm not and I'm not I'm not trying to make a point, please know that. The person I have spent the majority of my life being bitter against, you guys are leaning in now. Tell us, Jeff. It's me. It's me. A root of bitterness is a root of bitterness is a root of bitterness. Whether it's towards that person or the person in the mirror, it still wraps around everything. You'll feel unworthy. Unusable. Unclean. Condemned and confined. I find it hard sometimes to not let me being angry at me. And and, and I, I get it. You're looking at me like you just what people do that? Yeah. And if this applies to you, just, just hear my story. I find it hard sometimes to not get a hold of when I disappoint or when I do something, whatever. When I hurt me or hurt someone I love, I find it difficult to let that go. I, and and, and, and I, I'm a perfectionist with just incredible high standards for myself. I, and, and I have expectations for me that people don't even know about. They might even be unreasonable. I don't know. I'll ask my therapist. But when I miss the bull'seye, I get angry with myself. If listen, full transparency. Can I just go in a little bit? I'm, is Kim doing this? Okay. Let me she left. Uh, she changed churches. She went to a different church because she's like, I can't do this anymore. I want to be totally honest with you. And, this, and we, Kim and I have had this conversation. I did not ask her if I could share this. Uh, Pastor Dwayne, make a note. Never do this. When I fail Miss Kim in some way, and, and, I, and I get if we looked at the millimeter gauge versus the mile gauge, you might be like, That's that's not a big deal. It is to me. When I fail her in some way, I'm three seconds from hating myself. That's a true story. And you're like, dude, you need to lighten up. No? Well, yeah, probably. (laughs) But I have committed myself to serving her. She knows that. To loving her unconditionally. To ensuring that she knows she's seen. That she's heard. That she's loved, accepted, and adored. And if I miss that bullseye, I'm bitter with me. And I can't hardly forgive me. But What I've learned is that if I can't forgive me, I can't forgive others because it's hypocritical. And so you might be wrestling with you your failure, that wounded you. Maybe others know about it, maybe they don't. You will never feel qualified, justified, or good enough to go tell someone about Jesus and his great forgiveness if you carry that. You won't. You'll feel scarred and condemned. Hey, maybe today you cancel your debt. You let yourself out of the prison that Jesus has held the door open for since the day you asked him into your life. Because he's inviting us to be free. And I can't let the root of bitterness exist in my life if I'm going to increase the kingdom of God. Rather, I need to do what Jesus talked about in John 15. I need to abide in the true vine and not the bitter root. Would you pray with me? Ephesians, Paul went on to write in Ephesians 4. Just stay in an attitude of prayer. They'd get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, and all the other forms of malice. Then he says, just be kind, be compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ God forgave In other words, be a pipe, not a bucket. Be a conduit, not a hole. Pass on that forgiveness and that grace. I really don't know where this finds you. I, again, full disclosure, I, I don't even know how to get out of this, to be honest. I just believe, though, some of us just need to talk to the Lord. Some of us need to expose the root. Maybe you just need to thank God for forgiving us, forgiving you of your sin and forgiving you every time you came back and repented. And Oh, because that grace is amazing. so I don't know, I don't even know how to tell you what to do with this. I invite you, if if you want to come to this altar where things die, may contextually I say come to this altar where roots are severed. I invite you to do that. Bow a knee before the Lord. Pray at your seat. For those of you, the Lord is dealing with on this subject, and ask you to stay in that attitude of prayer. Continue the communication, but make sure part of that is listening to the Lord. Let me speak to maybe somebody in here that you're not—you're not even that far in your journey yet. I mean, I mean, you—you you don't even feel like you have that relationship with Jesus where that forgiveness has just has just overwhelmed you and that grace has arrested your heart can I say he's here he's bidding you to come And if you would say, Jeff, I need, I need, I need Jesus Christ to forgive me. I need Jesus Christ to restart this journey in my life. I repent of my sins. I know I'm a sinner. And I know Jesus came. He paid the price and canceled my debt. And today... I'm coming home. If that's you, I'm just asking you, raise your hand. I just want to pray. That's all. I ain't coming down. I'm not going to. God bless you. God bless you, son. Who else? Today's the day. Who else? God bless you, Bob. I'm so proud of you, son. Who else? I want to experience this forgiveness. I'm going to rise to the occasion, die into self. Today, I start my journey living for the Lord. Who else? Like I said there's one more. Those of you that raised your hand, I will not insult you and tell you what you need to pray. I have a feeling you've already said it. So you tell God what you need in the decision you just made. Invite Him in to cleanse you, to heal you, and to make you brand new from the inside out.